Hello, I'm Pastor Paul, an associate pastor at Living Word, and this is our podcast. I want to say thank you for joining us today. I know this message will minister to your spirit and it will build your faith. I know God will move in your life because you are a doer of the Word. Enjoy today's message. Well, good evening, Living Word Church. I'm so glad you guys decided to come out tonight to brave the snow. God's got something special for you tonight. Amen. Do you believe that? Say, God's got something special for me tonight. Amen. Amen. You'll have what you say. He does have something special. Even for those who chose to come all the way from a far, far distance and grace us with their music, wonderful voice on stage. Didn't Morgan do a good job? Come on. I thought it was awesome. It was great to see you up there. It was good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Well, tonight, have you ever had one of those moments with God? And I am going to do a brief recap because I want to, I'm going to, I want to teach more on faith, but it's not quite what I thought it was going to be. So have you ever had one of those where you're just praying and God's showing you stuff and he's kind of laying it all out and you're like, this is really good, God, this is great. And then you get it all laid out and you step back and kind of look at the bigger picture and go, oh, I didn't see that. That's really cool. Well, you'll have that moment later on because I'm not going to tell you. You can have the same, oh, moment that I had. Uh, Faith is the substance. It is the foundation. It is the basis, right? It is our house foundation that we build upon. That's what we've been talking about. We're talking about for many, many weeks. We can't expect faith to work in the world system. Faith is a kingdom principle. Am I echoing like crazy or is it just me? Do you mean move something, adjust something, change something? All right. Sound like I'm in a cave. It's all good. We cannot expect faith to work by applying the world's system, right? Faith is a kingdom principle. We have to know the kingdom way. Matthew 7, 24, therefore, who hears these sayings of mine and does them say, I am a doer of the word. That is going to be something you need to continually tell yourself this year. I am going to do the word. I will hear what is preached and I will do something. So how many of you took pastor's message on Sunday and did something? That's all we're supposed to do every week. Hear the word. Don't just be a hearer, be a doer right? Come on now. We need to understand the kingdom way of doing things. And we discussed that in Matthew. We talked talking about why am I a Christian? Why do I say that I'm a Christian? Why do I want to be a Christian? What is the basis of my Christian faith, right? A lot of people don't even know why they're Christians. They couldn't argue or, or stand any ground with someone who challenged their Christianity. Why are you a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? Why do I have the job that I have? I love it on Pastor. Uh, on Sunday, Pastor was talking about your jobs and how God wants to lead you in this. And there was a real anointing for that, though, those that wanted to come and receive. I believe God is making miraculous changes in their world and in their life. Hear who, who, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them is a wise man. Say, I am wise because he has made me wise. That's right. Now, we found that our foundations sometimes have some sandy bricks. We need to get rid of those, secure our foundation. So we start asking those questions, and we discovered we have to build the right kind of faith. We said in Hebrews, don't you remember after those days when the light shined in your heart, you endured a great season of hardships, yet you stood your ground. So don't lose your bold, courageous faith, because fear will hold you back. 
Because fear tolerated is faith contaminated. We don't tolerate fear because we don't want it to contaminate what we have, right? How many have a fruit bowl on your counter at your house? And then you're, why is this fruit rotting like it is? Well, there's one apple in the bottom that somebody forgot to throw out, right? Because a rotten piece of fruit will rot everything else that's around it. Which makes me wonder if there's people in my life that are turning more rotten. Is it me? See, now a lot of people just go, oh, they've got some issues. They need to deal with their issues, right? But I'm always going, Lord, can I change something? Can I affect change in something? Can I do something differently? Even if it's not me, can I help preserve the fruit, right? Because that's what we're out for is we're out to bring people into the kingdom. We're out to get people saved and to produce fruit, which is more salvations, more souls, more people, things God wants to produce in this world. Now, we went through all the things in Matthew 5 that he talked about. We started last week talking about faith for the future, which there was a lot of teenagers had great conversations with, including my own, talking about hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit on the inside for yourself and what it, what it means. And there were some seeds planted um, last week in open worship that we will see the harvest from in summer camp. The Lord does this every year. It usually happens at a Tuesday table. The, 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 the heart of what happens at summer camp comes out at a Tuesday. And it did. It came out at partly Tuesday and then some on that Wednesday night where the Lord planted the seeds to reap the harvest in June. I'm, I love that process. It's very exciting to be in on that to see because the seeds that were sown, we are going to see a better camp than we've ever seen before and we're going to have more freedom at camp than we've ever had before. And God's going to open doors to make a way for camp to be what camp needs to be because these teenagers need it this year. Because their future lies in the balance. Amen. Now, we start talking about uh, if faith is the substance, we start talking about building a house on a foundation, having multiple scriptures, and forming a belief, right? That's some basic stuff that they taught us back at Rhema, but I, I, I was teaching the teenagers, this is how you form a belief. This is how you defend your faith. You have a, a list of scriptures that show you this is why I believe what I believe. Now, there was a warning that came out to them last week about what do you feed your soul and spirit, and that warning is for all of us, not just the teenagers. And the Lord was talking to them about how you need to guard yourself against YouTube and video games and all this junk stuff that we continually pour against our lives, right? And I had made a decision last week that people still look at me funny for when I tell them. I deleted Facebook off my phone. People are like, what? You did what? Right? I got rid of Facebook off my phone. Now, I didn't delete my Facebook account. Because my Facebook account helps manage some of what the church does, and we have a live stream that reaches out to people, right? I didn't say this tool is anything more than what it is, a tool, right? I didn't give it any power, any authority, or whatever. But I found an area in my life where it was trying to turn from a tool and trying to turn me into a tool, <laughs> right? And I said, I'm deleting. I'm getting rid of it. I, I'm abhorred at the amount of time that I sit down and subconsciously grab my phone and click that button. And it was even more amplified by the fact that once I deleted it, the app that slid over and took its place, all of a sudden I'm opening this app. And why am I opening? I didn't want to go in there. What am I doing, right? So you know what I did? I put the Bible app right there. You know how much I've read the Bible since last Wednesday? It's great. It's good. Read the Bible? Come on now. If you're going to have a reflex reaction that's bad, put something good in its place and let something good come from it. 
Because it's just muscle memory. It's just the body doing what the body was trained to do. Why not make something good from muscle memory that's already there? But how bold are you willing to take this stance or not? I, I took the stance of saying, I don't want this influence in my life. I don't want this influence in my life. I'm, I'm done with it. I'm done, what, I'm done with how, how it makes me feel. How it, 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 I never opened up Facebook and got revelation from heaven. I never opened up Facebook and successfully had a discussion or debate on there that won someone to Christ. I even got to a point where I wasn't posting any comments because they all seemed to go south no matter what I would say. So I thought to myself, if I'm not posting anything, if I'm not producing anything, all I'm doing is consuming everything, and is this really what I want to consume? Right? But we have to come to that point in our life where we realize, what are we doing? What are we consuming? What, if this is a warning for the teenagers, it's a warning for me. If they're going to get something from it, I'm going to get something from it, and I'm the one that preached it. Come on now. Now, God is a spirit. He leads our spirit. It is my determination for 2021 to tune my spiritual ears and to spend more time praying, to spend more time with Him, to spend more time listening. My wife sometimes wishes that I would tune my natural ears, right? I don't know. You can call it a blessing or a cursing, but I, I like to read. I read a lot of books. I, I enjoy books. I, I enjoy fiction books and nonfiction books. Although I had someone come by my, week this, my office this week and dropped off a book, and I thought, well, that was really interesting, but it was someone that I you know, had some respect for, so I thought, I better read this. You know, it was a book about uh, ego. <laughs> I don't know why they gave me this book. Do I have an ego? Okay, I check myself, Lord, do I have an ego? But even while reading this book, you know, I have this ability. I could be sitting in my chair. The boys call it my chair. the blue chair in the corner of our living room, and I'm in the middle of reading a book. Recently, I've been, I've been reading an old Clive Cussler book because it's, you know, The Good Guy Always Wins. You know, just kind of one of those books. And I'm reading through it, and conversations are going on around me, and I don't hear any of it. They even say my name two or three times. Nothing. I completely tune out a room. Right? Completely tune out. So there's times where my wife was like, well, why aren't you listening? Right? You know, recently I had to have a little heart check when it gets around birthday. Her birthday's coming up in March. She's going to be 22. Well, I'm 23, so that makes... No, I'm, okay, just kidding. I couldn't convince your kids earlier. Nobody else is believing me either, so it's fine. It's fine. But she's got a birthday coming up. And there was quite a few years in the middle there where I would hit birthday season and I would go out to get a present to love my wife and just get stressed, hated it, don't like shopping. You know, I'm like, I don't know what to... Every, if I bought a piece of clothing, it never fit, right? I would buy shoes. They were the wrong size, I would buy jewelry and it would turn green. I'm like, I just, I, and, and I just, uh, right? It was, it was not a fun experience. And I got to where I just despised buying gifts for my wife. And I thought, one of her major love languages is gifts, right? And I could sit back and go, well, you should be different on how I buy gifts. You should just love everything I buy you, right? How many people are that way? You should change who you are because I'm struggling with something. And so I started praying, Lord, I'm married to this woman the rest of my life. I love her and she loves gifts. So I need to change. I need to change. I need to change. So you know what I did? You're going to come, you're going to think it's so silly, but hey, you know what? I'm going to tell myself. I went, out to, I went out shopping to buy gifts and I spent the whole time driving to Champagne and praying in tongues. I said, this is all I know to get in the right atmosphere and place to not be completely stressed out by this. 
And I shouldn't be. This is my wife. I should want to go buy her a gift, which I do. My heart is I want to buy her great things. But see, the very first gift I bought her, she still has. Because when we were dating, and you listen to every single word that comes out of their mouth, right? Which I need to get back to that. That's my point. But she made a random comment once. We're packing up someone's house as a moving. Made a random comment of, I've never owned a tea set. Made a comment. So what did I do? I went to Walmart, and I found a plastic $20 Disney princess tea set. And it was the last, I had $25 in my checking account. I was single and didn't have a lot of money. I just moved to California. And I spent my last $20 on this plastic tea set and gave it to her and just tears. Because I listened, and I purchased, right? And the Lord took me back to, you quit listening. And I thought, you know what? My wife has probably been telling me every gift that she wants, and I'm too busy with something else. And the Lord says, well, if you're not listening to her, are you listening fully to me? Well, come on, Jesus. Thank you, Father. I'm so sorry. Forgive me, right? Because we are too distracted to love him. That's what it boils down to. Do you love me? Are you too distracted to love Jesus? If I'm too distracted to love my wife the way that she needs to be loved, when she's flat, you know, I, she understands I'm a guy. She tells me what to buy her if I would listen. So it's not that she's not even telling me this is the gift that I want. It's not that she didn't go to Amazon, set up a Tiffany's wish list, and has about 40 things in there. It's not that there's not emails that are being sent to me from Zales, you know. It's not that this isn't happening. It's that I got too busy with things not good things, not bad things, not whatever, just things, and quit listening. This will be the year to turn on our spiritual ears and begin to listen. Because God's speaking. He's telling us everything we need to know to build our faith, to produce the kingdom He wants us to produce, if we will listen. But see, the listening ears is tied in with the loving heart. And it challenged me to say, how much do I really love my wife? See, by not listening and not loving my wife that way, it's proving there's still some selfishness in here that I need to work on. And that's where that root is. Selfishness keeps us from responsibility, and responsibility keeps us from producing. The, if we don't assume the responsibility, we won't produce the kingdom. Now, God is a spirit, and he leads our spirit. We know his voice. He leads by peace. So we know faith is required to please God. We know faith is a substance. We know faith is revealed through works. We know great men produced faith because we read it all over Hebrews 11, right? Took off on my truck. Why? Got a pickup truck. I really like it. First pickup I've ever owned, and I'm telling myself I'm never going to know anything but a pickup. I really like having a pickup truck. I'm just getting a kick out of it. I've always had sports cars. When we met, I had a little red, shiny sports car that went really fast. Now I got a pickup truck, and it doesn't go very fast, or it can go a little bit faster, but you're going to pay the price because you'll see the gas meter go down. But I had it parked in the driveway, and I was thinking, all right, I got to go to Champagne. I got to go grocery shopping. I got my list of things to do. I looked down, quarter of a tank, perfect. That'll get me to Champagne. I can actually run my errands and fill up before I come home because the best price is over there, right? So I pull out of my driveway. I get all the way across town. I happen to glance down again. By the time I got to the other side of Gibson, it's down to an eighth of a tank. Like, what did I do wrong that between my house and the other side of Gibson, I lost an eighth of a tank of fuel until I start thinking about it? Any of those have been to our house? I have an inclined driveway. So when my truck is parking in an inclined driveway, the gas meter is reading a little bit higher because of the way that I have my truck parked, right? 
Then by the time I get to the other side of town, the, level, the fuel is leveled out, the tank's got, and I realize I don't have enough fuel to get to where I need to go. Right? Do we have enough fuel to produce what God wants us to produce right now? So what is faith fuel? What is faith fuel? Romans 5.1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, which is pronounced righteous, that's what that is, justified by faith, you are pronounced right standing with God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I love that. I love that. My house will be a house of peace. I have proclaimed that since before I was even married. I didn't like peace or I didn't like turmoil when I was a kid. There was all this mess when I was a kid. And I, my mom taught me and I grabbed a hold of it at a very early age. My house will be a house of peace. From the time I was single and had an apartment to where we have our house now, I have proclaimed that over it. I have prayed over my house. My house will be a house of peace. And I encourage you to do the same. Through whom we have also access by faith into the grace that we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now he's saying, by faith, we access grace, which is God adding to us to accomplish the production of the kingdom. That's his ability meeting our ability to produce the kingdom. That's the supernatural, okay? Verse 3, and not only that, but we glory in tribulations. There it is again. We glory in tribulations. When we are challenged with something, when we reach a part of hardship, we are to glory in it, celebrate in it, knowing that the process of tribulation produces perseverance, patient endurance, stick-to-itiveness. I'm going with it. I'm selling that word. We, I've used that word more in the last couple of weeks than in my entire... St- I'm just making it up. It's going to be in the Webster's Dictionary. Stick-to-itiveness. Do you have what it takes to walk through this? Right? See, now we've been married for... Wow, coming up on 19 years. Amen. What kind of stick-to-itiveness do you have? How many people hit something hard and walk away from Christ? How many people hit something hard and walk away from their marriage? Walk away from relationships? Walk away from a church? Walk away from a pastor who preaches the word and it was confronting something that they didn't want to deal with? Do you have the perseverance which says produces character, which is proven experience, that's what that means, and hope, which is a confident expectation. A hope. Confident ex- How many have had a confident expectation? You know that you know that you know it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I love how kids have that confident expectation to where they come to you, right, and they're like, Dad, I want this coat. And it's a really nice coat. And this is this brand name. It's really nice. And you're thinking to yourself, I don't have the money now, but I would. They do need a new coat. And in about a month, I'm going to have the money and we'll give them the coat. But I don't need to go through my checkbook and all of my financial situation with my children. So I'm going to tell them yes, but not now. Right? From that moment on, does your kid ever come to you and say, Dad, can I have that coat? Not usually. 
Most kids will come to you and say, Dad, can we get the coat today? Right? Because you've already told them the coat is going to happen. You've already told them, yes, you could get the coat, but not today. So now they come to you with confident expectation that the, the coat is going to come. Is it today? See how hope and faith work together? They know that what they've asked for is already going to be produced, and they have a confident expectation that it's theirs, even though it's still at the store. Faith like a child. They don't ever come back and question, do you want to buy me the coat? Because once you've said yes, they know it, and they go with it. But they come back and say, is it today? The smart ones realize they can ask a little bit nicer. We don't have to, but would it happen to be today? Right? Like, I don't want to push mom and dad too far because then my date might go out a little bit further, right? Does it happen to be today? Okay, it's fine. The really smart ones come and they don't even ask if it's today. They just do all the chores and a few extra they weren't assigned. Right? And they don't even ask. But by their actions, they're saying, I just want to show you, I'm over here, look, I'm doing more than expected of me because I know you said I was going to get a coat. I'm not going to ask you if it's today, but I'm going to do all these chores and sit here and smile. Right? What, that, that is faith. In its core, that's what it is. They're showing us they know you said yes, so they're just going to produce, and they're going to keep focusing on something they know is important to you, right? Childlike faith, I love it. Tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint. Why? Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. 1 Corinthians 13, what remains? Faith, hope, and love. And love surpasses them all. Faith and hope are fueled by love. So is your fuel tank full? See, now I didn't know when I was going to preach faith tonight that God wanted to talk about love. Sunday happens to be Valentine's Day, and there was my aha moment. I got all the way down looking at all my notes on love and went, oh, that's right, it is Valentine's weekend. I didn't know that. This is not a Valentine's message. This is a faith message. But God says you cannot operate in faith without love. They're tied together. Now, Faith and hope are fueled by love, which makes love the greatest virtue of all. Now, in 1 Corinthians 13, it tells us what our faith fuel consists of. It gives us 10 characteristics of the faith fuel called love. So let's do this real quick. What are you standing in faith for tonight? Get something here. What am I believing God for? Because I want you to take that picture for the remaining time that we have together tonight, and I want you to ask yourself, is that faith for this thing fueled by love? Because it teaches us in 1 Corinthians 13, the first thing, love has patience under stress. Because, you know, standing in faith and believing God for something is a trial. It's a testing period. The devil does not want the kingdom produced. He will fight you on this. The devil doesn't want people saved because that's less people that he is convinced to go to hell. So he will fight you on producing the kingdom. What does James 1-2 say? My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But 
Let patience have its perfect work that you might be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. When patience has its perfect work and completes something in you, that's the love process. That's the love process. Because love is patience under stress. The second thing it teaches us in 1 Corinthians 13, love is kind at all times. Love is kind. Have you ever had somebody that has aggressive faith? I say that a little bit jokingly, but I have talked to people like this where they're very aggressive about what they're believing God for, and it's just almost like this, like you can't tell me anything. Love is kind. Love is kind. When you're standing in faith and believing for someone to get saved that doesn't like you, that has despitefully used you, right? And you're believing God for their salvation. You're trying to produce the kingdom by saying you need to meet Jesus because he will forever change your life. And they are aggressively mean to you. And God says you need to be kind to them because that's love that will fuel the faith that will produce the kingdom. Oh, Father, there's your patience having its perfect work. Take some time. Love is generous and not envious. If love is generous, then faith has to be generous because it's fueled by love. So using your faith, let's put this together because the Lord tied these dots together for me. What has pastor said about faith? He said we should be using our faith for spiritual things. That's the, he has said that from the pulpit many times. We need to be using our faith for spiritual things. Why? What are spiritual things? Well, then we know what the fruit of the Spirit are, right? Well, which love is listed in there, kindness, gentleness. We also know that prophecy, right, covet, covet earnestly, the, the best gifts is what he's telling us to do. Why? Because all of those things produce the kingdom. They produce the kingdom. So why should we use our faith for spiritual things? Because those things are the very things that produce the kingdom of God and win people to Christ. Those very things have no selfishness in them. That's why he says use your faithful spiritual things. You will see greater results using your faith, believe in God, for something outside of yourself than you will in yourself. What is your faith on? If your faith is only on stuff for you, then you've not tapped into the depth of what your faith can accomplish for God. Start believing God. See, he said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. We have to get ourselves in right order. We've been focused on the things and seen little to no progress on the things when if we would focus on the kingdom, we would see 100%, if not more, progress on the things. Where is our focus? Because faith is generous. Faith is generous. Faith doesn't look at somebody else and be envious. So we had a little situation at our house recently. Brock comes home and says, Brock, my, my boy, twins, they work at the same place. Brock comes home and says, I got a raise. Right? Now, he spent all of his summer working at a different job. He worked at Rops, did all this stuff. When Rops closed down for the season because it's a greenhouse, he jumped over to Dairy Queen because that's where Aiden's at. Right? He come home saying, I got a raise. Well, Aiden's been there this whole time. He's actually been there probably one of the longest standing employees they have right now besides the cook that's been there a really long time. And all of a sudden, they start comparing notes realize Brock's making more than Aiden, and he hasn't been there as long. Well, we had a little tension flare up in the house, right? 
mostly because at that point, Brock had already left for work and Aiden's left at home. I'm upstairs changing, doing something. Aiden comes in the bedroom and he's all like, And his first response and the first things out of his mouth is, Dad, I mean, I'm even a better employee because Brock does this wrong and this wrong and this wrong. And I stopped him mid-sentence and said, you never promote yourself by putting someone else down. That's not love. That's not a kingdom principle. The dog-eat-dog, I'm going to get where I am on your back, is not how the kingdom of heaven works. I don't see that anywhere in the Scriptures. I said... Your brother got blessed. Where's your happiness for him? Where's your joy in his success? Whether you think he earned it or not, where's your joy in his success? And if that's the case, then go in and work hard as unto the Lord and watch the Lord promote you. So I shared a few stories of things that have happened at jobs that I've had in the past. Now I got about 25% attention from him. It's about all I got. Still a lot of bit of frustration going on, but I got, you know, he listened for a little bit, you know. But he went to work and he did his job and he came back home. And by the time the two of them walked back in the door, he was celebrating and congratulating his brother, his best friend. And I've not heard a word about it since. I don't even know if it's been adjusted or changed. I don't really care. Don't really care. Because it was a teaching moment. How many times have we sat back and seen somebody else get the blessing that they've been standing in faithful for years and we're over here going, I know all the things they've been doing wrong. God, how could you bless them? Didn't you see them over here doing this and this and I've been here just worshiping you? And how are they getting blessed? But how many Christians are that way? Love does not envy. Love is generous. Love says, okay, God, you gave me my blessing, but you want me to give it to somebody else? Here it is, theirs. Because if you gave me this one, you've got something else. Love doesn't hold on to stuff and hold on to things. Love cares about people. For God so loved that he gave his only son. He made the ultimate price, the ultimate sacrifice. Love is that fuel that continues producing the kingdom. Love is generous, not envious. Love is humble and not self-promoting. Faith cannot be a braggart. Did I use that word right? I looked it up. Faith, <laughs> I'm trying to increase my vocabulary a little bit. Faith can't be a braggart. Faith doesn't brag about what faith does, right? Do you remember the centurion soldier in the New Testament where Jesus said, I have not seen such great faith? He didn't care if anybody else saw. He didn't even care if Jesus came to his house. Oh, Jesus needs to come to my house. Everybody see, look at the visitor I've got. See the car parked in the driveway. Look who's hanging out with me. Did you drive by and see Pastor Doug's truck hanging out in my driveway? That's because I'm hanging out with Pastor Doug and we're like this. Faith doesn't boast. He says, I don't care if you even come to my house. I don't care if you step foot or whatever. You speak the word and he's healed because he cared about the person. And Jesus said, I've not seen faith like this. Because he wasn't in it for glory, wasn't in it for him. He understood it's about what needs to be produced. And that servant was valuable to him to what was being produced in his life. And he wanted that healing to come in so that the kingdom can continue to be produced. Because faith is humble. So can you be bold in your faith and still humble? How many of you have seen somebody with bold faith? 
See, some people, mean, some people think bold faith just means I have to shout it the loudest, or I have to say it the most, or I have to talk really loud so other people hear that I'm in faith, or I'm just going to sing really loud while we're in church, and I'm going to be in the altar every single Sunday. You know, some people have a misunderstanding of what bold faith is. Proverbs 28.1, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. You know how bold a lion is? Sometimes he just sits there and stares at you. Doesn't make a sound. Doesn't move a muscle. He just knows. I could eat you if I wanted to. He just knows. He doesn't have to do anything. He knows he's the king of the jungle. And he just stares at you. That's the boldness we're supposed to have. Where we look at the devil and be like, I just know. I don't have to roar. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to respond. You don't threaten me. Faith is humble and bold all at the same time. A boldness that comes with the confident expectation that is full of hope and love. That's what that is. Faith is never rude, bad manners, impolite, lack of respect. Faith doesn't operate that way. Faith says, you've done me wrong. Turn the cheek. I'm going to love this person because the person is more important than the offense. So your faith doesn't trump what God's doing and give you the authority to trample on other people. Your faith saying, I've been believing God to, to, to operate in the gift of prophecy, and I feel like God is sharing this in my heart, so I'm just going to go to the front, take a microphone, and tell people by faith what God is proclaiming. Well, if you've gone out of the order that God set up, you're wrong. No matter how right you are, you're wrong. God says, I've placed everything in order in the church, right? Your faith for something spiritual could be applied wrong if it's rude and has no humility in it. Love does not manipulate by using shame. No one has ever grabbed the mic that I can remember as long as I've been here and rushed the stage to share prophecy. I'm just using that as an example. Don't think that something's going on here. Sorry. Your faith or love does not manipulate by using shame. I had one of those people in my life once, right, where you go to them saying, you know what, man, I just, I'm just out of money. I got kids, you know, I got groceries. And they're like, oh, man. Have you been standing in faith for groceries and stuff? <laughs> faith and love has no, sh there's, there's no, sh love does not shame someone into faith, right? But I have met a whole group of people that they're like, sarcasm is a language, shame is a language for them, where everything they do has a shame to it. I'm going to shame you into doing something or guilt you into doing something. Oh, well, you should just have stood in faith. Love does not manipulate using shame. Love is not irritable or easily offended. I have said this for many years. I learned this from, from Pastor Doug's brother. I, I don't know if I've told this story here. I've told it many times across the street. But uh, he used to randomly show up at my house. This would be Steve. Just randomly show up at my house to pick me up for different things. Taught me a lot of life lessons that way. I think him and my parents were in on a couple of them because one time he just showed up, walked right past the front door all the way to my bedroom, 
and said, and he had $100 in his hand. Of course, back in, that was, that was a long time ago. And 100 I would still take $100. But anyway, you know, had $100 in his hand, said, well, I was going to give you this if your room was clean, but your room wasn't clean. He put it back in his pocket. I'm like, no! My room was always clean after that. <laughs> but he never offered it again. But he and I would, uh, he and I would run around. He, he drove a Cadillac, which I always thought was really odd, until one day he said, you want to know why I drive a Cadillac? And I'm like, why do you drive a Cadillac, Steve? And he put his foot in the gas pedal, and it threw me into that seat, and it was smooth, going really, really fast. <laughs> I thought, man, this has got some power to it. And he goes, yeah, but it rides nice. <laughs> we were at the McDonald's in Champagne on Neal Street. That's a really busy McDonald's next to the Taco Bell there. Tons of people in line. And how many of you remember back in the day when McDonald's had the straw thing that you turned at the top and it was like this round thing and as you turned it, straws would come in the little dispenser and you'd take one out, you know. But you could grab more than one and he grabbed straws, started grabbing the straws out of there and he had a handful of straws. Before I realized what was going on, we're st- we hadn't even ordered yet, we're standing in line and he took those handful of straws and threw it at me. Caught me off guard to hit me like this and bounced all over the floor and we're standing in the middle of a huge busy McDonald's and I'm like, Steve, what are you doing? Right? There's straws everywhere. So I'm like, ah, I stopped to go bend him up, and he stopped me. And he said, those straws are just like a fence. People will throw them at you your entire life, but it's your choice to stop and pick it up. And I've never forgot that. Now, I did pick up the straws, because I don't want to leave a mess in McDonald's. Even though I didn't throw them on the ground, I still picked them up. It's just the whole, you know, Jedi Master and Padawan. And I was learning. I was in training. It's fine. Fine. Right? But I learned. You can't offend me. You cannot offend me. I don't care what you do. If I end up in offense, it's because I chose to, not because you offended me. You can do horrible things. Somebody out there, not saying anybody here is going to do anything horrible, but you could do mean, hurtful, whatever things. But offense is my choice. I can just as easily walk in love as I can choose to be offended. I say just as easily. They're both choices. Sometimes it's harder than the other because you're fighting your flesh and you're fighting everything else that's going on. But the Bible says love is not easily offended. Not easily offended. And I've told people, you can say what you want to, I'm not going to get offended. Why? Because offense, when it comes into your life, because it's something that's opposite. It starts to drain the fuel from my faith tank. It starts to grow roots in my life that turn into bitterness and unforgiveness, and it ruins my ability to talk to God. All of that because of my choice. How many people do we know that have made that choice that have the roots of bitterness and unforgiveness and still blame the other person like it's their fault? That person can't force me to stand in unforgiveness. I choose forgiveness. I choose not to be offended. I choose to walk in love, no matter what was done to me. And I've had really hurtful things done to me over my life. But truthfully, as I sit here today, I'm thinking, you know what great examples could you use? I don't remember. (laughs) Because in the same sense where I can sit and read a book and tune a lot of things out, God has blessed me with the ability to take things that hurt me in my life and just let them go. I don't remember things. I'm, I, I, I remember feeling hurt in the past, but honestly, I don't hold the fences because I don't want them to ruin my faith. I don't want anything to pull me away from God and what He has for me. I'm sure if I sat hard and long enough, I could think of something, but honestly, I, I don't care. 
I don't care. I'm not going to be offended. I'm not going to allow anything to pull me from God. Love celebrates honesty. How many of us are really honest in our faith? We say we believe in God for whatever we believe in God for, but are we really doing what it takes to fill our love tank, to fuel our faith, and produce the kingdom? Or is it just a facade? So you can find a basement in the house that looks really great on the outside, but will fall down in a few days. It might look pretty. I've seen a lot of really pretty painted brick basements that are in horrible shape. So... Honesty says, do I really love? Am I really walking in love? Am I really allowing this love to fuel my faith? Love doesn't focus on what's flawed. Love doesn't look at the sin that God delivers you from. Love looks at the cleanliness that is left behind. It does. Love doesn't sit out there and go, oh man, Pastor Doug said that someone needs to be delivered from cheating on their spouse. And those three people went up front. They must all be cheating on, right? Love doesn't sit and dwell and focus on the negative. I use that example because I don't know that it's ever happened anytime recently. But love doesn't sit up here and go, oh, look at that person. I can't believe they went to the altar for that, right? Because guess what? We're going to come to a point in time where God's going to start calling things out and say, you either get delivered from it now or we'll destroy your life. You'll get delivered, and it's going to be uncomfortable. And if you're dealing with things in your life that are uncomfortable, how better for you to come to the altar and get clean of that so still be able to produce the kingdom than to allow it to destroy you and destroy everything God wanted to do through you? What happened to the church? We talked about this in faith. What happened to the church standing alongside to be pillars for someone else, to hold them up when there's holes in their foundation so that it can get fixed? Not worry about the the dirt on the floor, but the clean tapestry that's left behind. That's what love does. That's what love does. We should have our faith for these people to be set free and delivered. If you're sitting in here while ministry is going on in the front, and you're not standing in faith that God changes their life, then we need to have a heart check. We need to have a heart check. I want everybody to come to the front and get clean and get everything that God has for them and to see their life advanced. See their life advanced. Love doesn't focus on the flawed because faith cannot focus on the seen while producing the unseen. Love is loyal to the end. Love is loyal. Why else do you think that faithfulness is so highly regarded and so highly esteemed because faithfulness is love loyal. Its faithfulness is fueled by love. It comes with great rewards. Hebrews 10.23, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Let us consider one another to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, it is again. Why do you think we get together as a church? Why do you think it's important for you to reach out to somebody and say, you know what? They've been teaching on faith on Wednesday nights. Pastor Josh is going to be teaching on Wednesday nights and it's going to be good. You need to be there. Won't you come alongside and come to a Wednesday night? Oh, you don't like driving in the snow? I'll swing by and pick you up. You don't like the cold? I got an extra coat. Right? You don't have time for dinner? We are going to cook you dinner. And man, it was, if you didn't get enough food to eat, 
There's some serious portions of food. Love says, I won't, I won't let you fall behind. I care about you that much. How many people as you look around, they're here on Sundays and not here on Wednesdays and need to be hearing this. I could not tell you the number of times where I have people come to me and say, Pastor Paul, I just need to know this and this is the problem going on in my life. And I'm like, the Lord brought it out last Wednesday. Or he brought it out on Sunday and they weren't listening or weren't in church. God, God, he, he caters and, and, and instruction leads us into what to bring out on Wednesday. I don't just open the Bible and say, I think I'm going to preach this tonight. I had no intention of preaching on love. That was not in my head when I sat down to prepare for this message, right? I was still wanting to continue on faith, and I was telling Pastor, man, faith for, for prosperity and faith for healing and faith for faith for faith. You know, there's a lot of things you can use your faith for. I did not think anything about love. But see, when God says, my people need to hear about love, then you need to hear about love, right? My kids need to eat broccoli. It's good for them. So I put it on their plate, and I tell them to eat it. I'm so thankful that pastor's messages all taste much better than broccoli did when I was a kid, right? But there's some times when pastor's preaching something and the Holy Spirit is working on the inside and you're going, yeah, that tastes like broccoli. I know I need to eat this. But now what's happened? I love broccoli and I crave it. I wanted broccoli recently. I just, and I like it just a little bit crunchy, it's a little al dente. Nobody wants mushy broccoli that just falls apart. I just, I, maybe you do, but I don't like broccoli mushy. But the things that were hard a long time ago, now when the, the message is preached and presented, I'm going, oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. And that's going to do things in me. That's good. I'm going to enjoy what's good. Pastor talked about this on, wasn't this past Sunday? About the kale and eating right and doing all that. I'm still sitting over here going, I have tried kale, Pastor. I have tried it. I just don't like it. I'm questioning, Lord, do I eat kale? Is that what you're telling me through pastor's message? I don't really like it. I don't know. I didn't come up with an answer, just to let you know. Oh, thank you, Jesus. But who are you stirring up in love? Who are you stirring up? See, if we start thinking about this, that if I stir up love in someone else, it fuels their faith and helps them accomplish the kingdom, how differently would we look at each other? Am I stirring up love in Tim and Melanie? To where there's something being produced out of the life? Is someone stirring up love in me? Right? Should someone have to look at me and say, Paul, love your wife? Right? But how many times have we looked at someone and said, do you, do you love Jesus? Do we really love him? I mean, I go to church on Sunday morning and I might just listen to him, but do I really love him? Do I really love him? No one ever has to ask me, do I love my wife? And I will get better at listening, and we will get good presents by the 15th of March <laughs> when the next birthday is. Because love isn't hard. Love's not hard. Love's easy. When we view people the way God views them, when I look and say, God gave me this treasure, God gave me this person to come alongside as a helpmate, 
right? When I view it the way God views it, when I change my views to the way God sees her, it's easy to love. So when we come into church, we should be looking at each other going, God gave me Tammy Kendrick. Lord, why did you give me Tammy Kendrick? (laughs) God gave me Tammy Kendrick. I, I would take forever to go on and tell you all of the reasons that we have felt loved in our life by the Kendrick family. By every fa- I could sit and go around the room, every family in this place. Bryson makes me smile and brings joy to my life every time I see him. Every time I see him. Love that kid. And he was the first person I told that we were having camp. Because he's almost as excited about it as I am. But when I come to church, that's what it should be. I should be stirring love in everybody that's around me. Why? Because it's building faith in the body for us to produce the kingdom that God's called us to produce because now the field, the harvest is ripe. There are so many people that are hurting. There are so many people that are in pain. There are so many people that are isolated and stuck in their houses that are afraid to get out, that are living their life in fear, that want somebody to walk up and say, I love you and Jesus loves you. And that's all they want to hear. It could be the very people that are aggressively mean to your face that all they need to hear is Jesus loves you and I love you. And I care. You know, that changes everything. It changes everything. When you bring love into a relationship like that, it shuts down what the devil's trying to do. Because the root of most of that hurt is the emptiness left by the lack of Jesus in their life. And they're hurting. And they fill it with all kinds of junk. So do we love him? Do we love him? What does the Bible say? If you love me, feed my sheep. He cares about his people. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you that you gave us, Father, the ability to come and gather together. And you've challenged us to not leave Wednesday nights the same. But to begin to fill the seats, Father, to begin to bring people in, to begin to reach out and love those that are around us. Father, to stir faith in them and to stir faith in each other. I thank you for everyone here tonight, Father, that you have a special blessing just for them because they chose to come out in the stormy, snowy night. Father, you're going to reward that faithfulness with great things, Father, so they can produce more of your kingdom. Thank you, Father, for being first, for leading this place through our our leaders and our pastors. We love you. We honor you, sir, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. A special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that ministry at Living Word Church is possible. You can get more information on our website at go2lwc.org. You can also give online as well. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe. You can share it with your friends. You can take a screenshot and post it to your social stories. You know what? You can even share it in person with someone who needs encouragement from God's word today. Thanks again for listening. And as always, you're welcome to join us in person where we will worship together and God will minister directly to you. Be blessed this week and be a doer of his word.